0: Book One, Chapters Twelve and Thirteen of Amadis of Gaul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. Amadis of Gaul by Vasco de la Translated by Robert Southey. Book One, Chapter Twelve how Don Galor was made a knight by Amadis of Gaul, his brother. Meantime had Galor grown large-limbed and strong of body, and he read books which the old man gave him, discoursing of the old deeds which knight-in-arms had wrought, so that by this, as well as by nature, he became desirous to be knighted. Nevertheless he knew not whether by right such honour appertained to him. Very earnestly he questioned thereon with the hermit, but he who knew that so soon as the child received the order he should combat against the giant Albadan, would say to him in tears, My son, better were it for you to choose some other way safer for your soul. Father, replied Galior, badly should I follow that which I took against my will, and in this which I have chosen, by God's good pleasure I will advance his service, but without it I care not to live." The good man, who saw his grounded resolution, replied, "'Certes, if you fail not for yourself, you will not for your lineage, for you are son of a king and queen. But let not the giant know that I told you this.' And fearing lest Gallior should privately depart, he sent to tell the giant that his scholar was now of fit age and eager to be knighted. Forthwith the giant rode to the hermitage, and finding Gallior very comely and strong above his years— he said to him, I understand, son, that you are desirous to be knighted. Come with me, and I will see that it shall be done greatly to your honour. But before he departed, Galliard knelt before the hermit and begged that he would remember him. The good man wept and kissed him many times and gave him his blessing. So he rode to the giant's castle, who gave him arms to his measure and made him ride and throw the cane and appointed him two masters to practice him with the sword and shield, and to teach him all things convenient for a knight, so that in a year's space he was grown marvellous perfect. When the year was complete, Gallior said to the giant, "'Now, father, let me be made a knight.' And he who saw that it was time, inquired of him by whom he chose to be knighted. "'By King Luzwarte,' said he, "'of whom the fame runs.' The giant was well pleased, and on the third day, having prepared all things, they departed. In two days they came near a strong castle, which was by a salt water. The castle was called Bradoid, and it was the goodliest in all that land. It stood upon a rock. On one side was the water, and on the other a marsh, and from the side of the water it was not possible to enter without a bark. But across the marsh there was a causeway, being so broad that two cars might pass each other, and at the entrance of the causeway was a drawbridge, and the water under it was very deep. Facing the bridge there grew two goodly elms, whereunder the giant and Gallior saw two damsels and a squire, and a knight mounted on a white courser, and bearing lions in his shield, who, because he could pass no further, called with a loud voice to those of the castle. Then Gallior said to the giant, "'Let us see what the knight will do.' Anon there came from the castle two armed knights and ten fellows on foot, who came and demanded of the knight what he would. I would enter in, quoth he. That, said the other, cannot be, unless you first combat with us. Then lower the bridge and come on. This presently they did, and he who was first ran fiercely against the knight, who sent him man and horse to the ground. He met the second on the bridge, their lances failed in the attaint, and they encountered so rudely with their bodies that the knight of the castle fell into the water and was drowned. Then the conquerors passed on towards the castle, and the villains drew up the bridge after him. At this the damsels cried aloud to him, and he turned. But there came against him three knights, well armed, who said to him, In an evil hour camest thou here, for thou shalt die in this water, as he has done who was better than thee. All three then ran at him, and smote him so firmly that his horse knelt and was like to fall, and their lances broke, and by two of them he was wounded. Nevertheless, one of them he met in such order that the lance entered at one side, and came out at the other beyond the iron. This done, he drew his sword, and addressed himself to the other twain, and seeing it was for death, manfully he bestirred himself, and smote off the right arm of one, who galloped away and cried out, Help! Help! They are killing our lord! When he of the lions heard that he with whom he must yet deal was the lord of the castle, he delivered him such a rigorous blow on the helmet that he lost his stirrups, and staggered and fell upon the horse's neck. The knight then seized his helmet and plucked it off, and got between him and the castle, lest he should escape like the other, and cried, Yield thyself, or thou art dead. Mercy, quoth he, good knight, and I am your prisoner. But he of the lions, who now saw knights and villains coming from the castle to succour their lord, held him by the shield, and placing the sword to his face, bade him to command his men to return, and make the bridge be lowered, which when he had done he crossed the bridge, taking his prisoner with him. When the knight of the castle saw the damsels, he knew that one of them was Urganda the Unknown, and cried out, "'Ah, Sir Knight, if you saved me not from that damsel, I am but dead.' As God shall help me, he replied, That shall I not do, but do with you what she commands. Then calling to Erganda, he said, Here is the lord of the castle. What would ye that I do unto him? Smite off his head, quoth she, if he will not release my friend whom he keepeth in prison, and put the damsel in my power for whom he is detained. He sure made no delay to send for them, and when they came, he of the lions said to the knight, There is your lady, and great cause you have to love her for the pains she hath taken to deliver you from thraldom, And I do love her, quoth he, more than ever. And then Urganda braced him. Afterwards the conqueror asked what should be done with the damsel. She shall die, said Urganda. I have long borne with her. And then she made a spell, so that the damsel ran all trembling to throw herself into the water. Lady, cried the knight of the lions, Let her not die for the love of God, since by me she was taken. For your sake then I forgive her, but let her take heed how she again offend me. Hearing that, the lord of the castle took heart, and said, Sir knight, I have performed with what hath been commanded. I beseech you to deliver me from Urganda. I release you, replied Urganda herself, for his sake. The knight of the lions then asked the damsel why she was going to throw herself into the water. "'Sir,' quoth she, "'it seemed that there were lighted torches burning me on all sides, and I ran to save myself in the water.' Thereat he smiled. Certes, damsel, your folly is over-great to provoke her who can so well avenge herself.' Gallior, seeing all this, said to the giant, "'I will be knighted by him.' for if King Luzwarte is so renowned, it is for his greatness, but his knight deserves to be so for his great hardihood. Go then and ask him, said the giant, and if he will not do it, it will be to his own harm. Then Galliard took with him four squires and two damsels, and went towards the knight of the lions, who was sitting under the elms, and saluted him, and said, Sir knight, grant me a boon. He who thought him the goodliest person he had ever seen, took him by the hand and said, Let it be lawful, and I grant it. Then I beg you of your courtesy, make me a knight, and you will spare me the journey to King Lizuarte. Great wrong should you do yourself, replied he of the lions, to leave receiving that honour from the best king in the world, and take it from a poor knight like me. Sir, quoth Gallior, The greatness of King Lizuarte can put no courage in me like that which I have seen you do. Therefore, so please you, fulfil your promise. Gentle squire, I shall be better content to grant anything than this which befits not me, and is to you little honour. At this Urganda came up as one who had heard nothing of their talk, and asked him what he thought of the child. Truly a fairer have I never seen— but he asked a thing of me neither for himself nor me convenient, and then he related what had passed. "'Certes,' said Urganda, "'I advise him to insist upon the promise, and you to fulfil it. And I tell you that knighthood will be better employed in him than in any other in all the isles of the sea, except only one.' "'Since it is so,' said the knight, "'in God's name let us go to some church to perform the vigil.' It is not necessary, answered Gallior, for I have this day heard mass, and seen the real body of God. It sufficeth, then, said he of the lions, and having fastened on his spur, he kissed him and said, Now are you a knight, and may receive the sword from whom it pleaseth you. That, said Gallior, must be only from you. And he called a squire to bring the sword which was ready. Not that! then cried Urganda, but this which hangs in a tree. They all looked up and saw nothing. She laughed thereat. Ten years hath it hung there, and no passenger ever saw it, and now it shall be seen by all. They looked again, and there hung the sword from a bough, a fair sword, and fresh, as if it were just hung there, and the scabbard was richly wrought with silk and gold. He of the lions took it down, and girding it on Gallior said, So fair a sword beseemeth, so fair a knight, and whoso has kept it there for you so long, bears you be sure no ill will. Then was Gallior well contented. Sir, quoth he, I must needs go to a place whence I cannot be excused. But I desire your company above that of any other in the world, and if it please you, tell me where I may find you at the house of King Lizuarte, where I hope to win honour, and where it is right that you should go for the same cause. At this was Gallior right joyful, and turning to Urganda he said, Damsel, my lady, I thank you for this sword which you have given, and I pray you account me for your knight. Then taking leave he returned to the giant, who had remained concealed under the river-bank. This while had one of Gallior's damsels learnt from the damsel of Urganda that the knight of the lions was Amadis, whom Urganda had brought thither to deliver her friend by force of arms, for her skill availed not, because the lady of the castle, who was learned in the same art, had first enchanted him. The damsel who had beguiled him there was the lady's niece, and she it was who had been about to drown herself. After Gallior was departed, Urganda demanded of Amadis if he knew to whom he had given the order of knighthood. "'No,' said he. "'There is great reason that you should know him,' quoth she, "'for he is of like heart with yourself, "'and if ever ye should encounter without knowledge of each other, "'it would be great unhappiness. "'He is your own brother, whom the giant took away in childhood, "'and for your sake and his I have so long kept the sword for him.' wherewith he shall make the best beginning of chivalry that ever did knight, yet in Great Britain. Then came tears of joy over the eyes of Amadis. Ah, lady, tell me where I shall find him. You need not seek him now. He must go where it is ordained. Shall I see him soon? Yes, but he will not be as easily known as you imagine. So she and her friend departed, and Amadis and Gandalin took the way to Windsor. When Gallior returned to the giant, he cried out to him, Father, I am a knight! Thanks to God and the good knight who has made me. Thereof am I right glad, quoth he, and now grant me a boon. With a good will, so be that you withhold me not from seeking honour. By God's good pleasure it shall be to the advancement of your honour. Son, you have heard me tell how Abaddon the giant slew my father by treason and took the rock of Galtares which should be mine. I demand of you to write me for none but you can do it. Remember how I have brought you up and that I would give my body to death for your sake. This, said Gallior, is what I ought to ask not you. For while life lasts, I am ready to do whatever is to your profit and honor. Let us go there, in the name of God, said the giant. So as they rode toward the rock of Galtaris, they met Urganda, and courteously saluted. Know you? said she. Who knighted you? Yes, quoth he, the best knight in the world. That is true, and he is yet better than you think. But you must know who he is. She then said to the giant, Gandalak, dost thou not know that this knight whom thou hast nourished is the son of King Perian and Queen Elisena, whom because of my words you carried away? The giant answered that it was true. Know then, my son, said she, that he who made thee knight is thine own brother, and elder than thee by two years. Honour him as the best knight in the world, and strive to imitate him in all hardihood and goodness.' Is all this true? said Gallior. Then is my life in the greater danger, since it becomes me now to be like him. Of a certainty it is true, said Erganda, and with that she went her way. As they rode on, the giant told Gallior that the damsel with whom they spake was Erganda. In this discourse they came to a riverside, where by reason of heat they erected their tent, they had not been there long before they saw two damsels coming by different ways, who met before the tent. So soon as they espied the giant they would have fled, but Gallior went out and courteously caused them to return, and asked them whither they travelled. I go, quoth one of them, by command of my mistress, to see a strange battle which one only knight hath undertaken against the mighty giant of the rock of galtaris To the end that I may bring her true tidings thereof. When the other damsel heard her, she replied, I marvel that any knight dare venture with such folly, and though my road lie otherwise, yet will I go with you and see a thing so out of reason. Hereupon they would have left Galior, but he said to them, Make no haste, fair damsels, for we are going to this battle, and will bear ye company." They lightly consented, and took great pleasure to behold him how fair he was in that dress of a new knight. So they all ate together, and made good cheer, and Gallior took the giant apart, and requested that he would remain where he was till the battle was over. This he did that the damsels might not suspect it was he who was to do the battle, whereto Gandalak, though unwillingly, accorded. So Gallior proceeded with the damsels and three squires, whom the giant sent to carry his armour, and what else was needful. So far they went that they arrived within two leagues of the rock of Galtares, and there passed the night in the dwelling of a hermit, to whom, because he was ordained, Gallior confessed. But when he revealed that he came for that combat, the good hermit was greatly astonished and asked who had devised him to such madness. There are not ten such knights in all the country who would encounter him. So fierce and terrible is he, and without mercy. And you who are so young would adventure yourself to the loss of body and soul, for such as willfully seek the death which they might avoid, are very self-murderers.' "'Father,' said Gallior, "'God will do his will with me, but I shall not forgo the battle.' Then the good man began to lament, God help thee and strengthen thee, quoth he, since thou art so obstinate, but I am glad to find thy life has been so good. Good father, said Gallior, remember me in your prayers. The next morning after mass Gallior armed himself, and rode to the rock which he saw before him. It was very lofty and with many towers so that the castle was so goodly that it was a wonder to behold. The damsel asked Gallior if he knew the knight who should perform the combat. "'I think I have seen him,' said he, and then he asked the damsel who her lady was that had sent her to see the battle. "'That,' quoth she, "'must be told to none but the knight himself.' By this time they had reached the castle, and found the gate shut. Galior called, and two men then appeared over the gate, to whom he said, Tell the giant that here is a knight who comes from Gandalak to defy him, and if he will not come out, there shall no man either enter or leave the castle. The men mocked at him, This heat will soon cool, thou wilt either fly or lose thy head, and they went to the giant. But when the damsels heard that Galior himself was the champion, they prayed God to help him, and said they durst not abide to see the giant. Fair friends, said he, stay and see that for which ye are come, or else return to the hermitage, and if I live I will join ye there. Then they took courage, and retiring from the castle, stood at the edge of a forest, thinking to escape there, if the night should not speed well. CHAPTER Thirteen: HOW DON GALIOR FOUGHT THE GIANT OF THE ROCK OF Galtares AND CONQUERED HIM The news went to the giant, and presently he came out on horseback, and he appeared so huge upon the horse that not a man in the world would dare look at him. He had on plates of iron, so long that they covered him from the throat to the saddle, and a large and bright helmet, and an iron mace in his hand. Greatly afraid were the squires and damsels to behold him, and Gallior was not so hardy but that then he had great fear. But the nearer he came the less he feared. "'Wretch!' said the giant. "'He who sent thee shall never see thee again. Look, and see how a mace is used.' And he came on like a tower. "'Devil,' quoth Gallior, "'thou shalt be conquered and killed with what I bring on my side, which is God and the right.' And he ran at him so fiercely that his lance broke, and the giant lost one of his stirrups." He, on his part, had lifted up his mace to strike Gallior on the head, but the night passed so rapidly that it only struck the rim of his shield, and burst all the arm and neck fastenings, so that it fell, and Gallior had well-nigh fallen also. This did not break the blow, nor could the giant recover the mace which came upon the head of his own horse and smote him down, so that he himself fell. Gallior twice rode over the giant before he could rise but then his own horse stumbled over the giant's, and he fell on the other side. The knight, seeing himself in the chance of death, rose presently and drew the sword which Urganda had given him, and met the giant, who had now taken his mace from the ground, and struck it on the wooden stock that he severed it. But with the piece that was left, the giant gave him such a blow on the helmet as made him set one hand to the ground, and twisted the helmet on his head." but he who was nimble and of good heart, rose presently, and turned to the giant, and avoided his next blow, and gave a stroke at him with so full force that it cut away the arm, clean from the shoulder, and passing down wounded him in the leg. The giant roared aloud, Ah, wretch! Am I destroyed by one man? And he caught at Gallior, but his wounded limb failed him. Then he sat down, and with his remaining hand sought to seize the knight, but Galior cut that hand through, and sprung upon him, for in outreaching he had fallen along, and smote off his head. The squires and damsels then came up, and Galior sent the squires with the head to Gandalak. With that there came through the gate ten knights chained together, who bade him come and take possession of the castle, seeing that he had slain the giant and delivered them. "'What think you, damsels?' said Gallior. "'Shall we sojourn here to-night?' They assented thereto, and he freed the knights from their chain, and so went they all into the castle, where there were many goodly houses, and there they feasted and refreshed themselves. The next day the people of the land came to do him homage. But he took their homage for Gandalak, to whom of right it belonged—' and right joyful were they hearing that their natural lord should return, for they had long been hardly ruled, and like foreign subjects. This done, Gallior and the damsels, and one squire who continued with him, took the way to the hermitage, and there the knight received the good man's blessing. The one damsel then said, she would pursue her journey to King Lizuarte's court, whither she was going to see a knight, her brother. "'Damsel?' Then said Gallior, If you see there a knight bearing two lions in his shield, say the child whom he made knight commends himself to him, and that I shall strive to be a good man, and that if we meet, I shall tell him more concerning both me and himself than he yet knows. And when she was gone, Gallior asked the other who her lady was that sent her to see the battle. If you would know that, said she, follow me and in five days you shall see. That shall not let me, quoth he. So they went on together. At length they came to a forked way, and Gallior, who rode before, thought that the damsel followed him, but she had taken the other. This was at the entrance of the forest called Brananda, which separates the counties Clara and Gresca. It was not long before he heard a voice cry, Help me, help me! He turned, and the squire said he thought it was the damsel who had left them. "'How? Left us?' "'I have badly looked to her,' quoth he, and he took shield and lance and galloped towards the sound. Hard at hand he espied six villains, armed with morions and battle-axes, and a hideous dwarf on horseback, who cruelly laid on the damsel with a staff. "'Thou wicked and ugly thing!' quoth the knight. "'God send thee bad luck!' And passing the lance to his left hand, he seized the staff, and therewith smote him to the ground and stunned him. The villains then attacked him on all sides, but to the first he gave such a greeting with the staff that he lay sprangling on the earth. Another, who had fixed his battle-axe in his shield, and could not pluck it out again, he smote through with the lance.' and left the lance, and made at the others with the battle-axe which he plucked from his own shield. But they durst not now abide him, and fled into the thick underwood where he could not follow. By this the dwarf had got again on horseback, and calling out to Gallior, "In an evil hour thou hast killed my men!' he galloped away. Then Gallior drew his lance from the body of the villain, and saw that it was sound, which pleased him, and he gave his arms to the squire, and said,— Damsel, go you before me, and I will guard you better than I have done. So took they again the way they had left, and it soon brought them to the river Bran, which could not be passed without a boat. Now rode the damsel somewhat far before Gallior, and finding the boat ready, she crossed before him. While he waited for the boat's return, the dwarf came and cried, By my faith, sir traitor, thou shalt die, and leave the damsel and Gallior saw that there came with him three knights, well-armed and mounted. "'What?' quoth the one. "'Shall we all agree to set upon a single enemy?' "'I want no help!' And he ran with a full course against Gallior, who was ready to entertain him. They encountered in such sort that the knight pierced Gallior's armour, making him feel the naked point of his lance, and Gallior bade him bravely welcome and cast him from the saddle." Whereat the other twain, admiring, ran both against him, the one failing and the other breaking his lance. Gallior smote off the helmet of the one, the other turned and struck at his breast and broke his lance. But though Gallior felt the blow sorely, it wounded him not. Then they all laid hand to sword and began battle, the dwarf crying out, Kill his horse that he may not escape. Gallior aimed a blow at him whom he had unhelmed. He raised up his shield, and the sword cut through the rim of the shield, and the point came on his head and cleaved it to the jaws. And when the other knight saw that stroke, he turned his horse, and away! Gallior followed, and made a blow at him, which fell short upon the saddle, and cut away many plates of his armour. And he then, in more fear, spurred his horse and threw his shield from his neck, and galloped so fast that Gallior would follow him no longer. Gallior would then have caught the dwarf to have tied him by the leg, but that little wretch had ridden off betimes. Hereupon he came to the first whom he had dismounted, who had now somewhat recovered. "'I am more sorry for you, Sir Knight,' said he, "'than for your comrades, for you attacked me in knightly guise, though I know not wherefore.' "'It is true,' replied he, "'but that dwarf told us that you had beaten him and slain his men.' and take it from him a damsel against her will. Gallior then showed him the damsel waiting for him on the other side of the river. You see her, said he, and if she were with me against her will she would not wait there. Then relating how the truth was, he gave the knight his horse, and, bidding him torment the dwarf for his villainy, he took leave of him. Then Gallior crossed at the ferry and proceeded under the damsel's guidage. Between Nones, which is three in the afternoon, and Vespers, she showed him a fair castle that stood above a valley, and said to him, "'There we shall go to rest.' And they were well received, it being the dwelling of the damsel's mother, whom she bade honour her guest as the best knight that ever hung shield from his neck. Then said she to Galior, "'Good-night. You must wait a while for me here, that I may perform what I have promised. I shall soon return.' So she went, and without long tarrying, returned, and told him to mount and come with her. In God's name, quoth he, and he took his arms and mounted and followed her. They rode through a forest, and when the night was advanced, came to a city called Grandaris, and at the castle the damsel told him to alight and follow her, and there she would tell him what she had promised. Shall I take my arms? said he. Yes, she replied for man knows not what may happen to him. He followed her to a wall. She told him to get over, and she would go round and meet him. Gallior, with some difficulty got up, by reason of his arms, and let himself carefully down into a garden, where presently the damsel came and another with her. "'Sir Knight,' said she, "'before you enter you must tell me whose son you are.' "'Let that alone,' quoth gallior for I am of such parents that till I am of more renown, I dare not name them. "'You must tell me, and it shall not be to your harm.' "'No, then. I am son to King Perion and Queen Elisena, and I could not have told you that seven days past.' "'Come in,' the damsel then said, and having entered they disarmed him, and threw a mantle over him. The one went before and the other behind him, And so they passed through the palace, where were many dames and damsels in bed, and when any one asked who was there, the two damsels answered. Thus they went on till they came into a chamber, and there Gallior saw a beautiful damsel on a rich bed, combing her goodly locks. And when she saw him, she put a fair garland on her head and went to him. "'You are very welcome, sir, being the best knight that I know.' "'And you, lady,' said he, are very well found, being the fairest lady that ever I saw. Then said the damsel who had guided him, Here, sir, is my mistress, and I have fulfilled my promise. Her name is Aldeva, the daughter of the king of Sirolus, and she has been brought up here by her aunt, wife to the duke of Bristol. Then turning to her lady, I give you the son of King Perion of Gaul, you are both children of kings, and both fair persons. If ye should love each other, no one can blame ye. And with that the damsels left them together, and nothing more shall be here related, for these and such like things which are neither conformable to good conscience nor virtue, man ought in reason lightly to pass over, holding them in as little estimation as they deserve. The hour being come when it behooved him to depart— the damsels conducted him to the place where overnight he had left his arms, and being armed he went again into the garden, and there he found the dwarf, who cried out, In an ill hour didst thou enter here, for now thou shalt die, and the wretch that led thee here. Then he called out aloud, Come out, knights, come out, for here is a man, come out of the duke's chamber. Galliard lightly got over the wall, and mounted his horse, but the dwarf and his people speedily came out upon him. And when Gallior saw himself so beset, he said within himself, Let me die if I be not revenged upon that villainous dwarf. But he kept behind upon his horse, and the rest compassed the knight on all sides. Gallior laid manfully about him, and slew two before he broke his lance, then fell on them with his sword, and made them so soundly acquainted with its sharp edge that he who thought himself hardiest was glad to give way. But before he could cut his road through, they killed his horse, and when the dwarf saw him on foot, he attempted to ride over him. Gallior stepped aside and caught his bridle, and gave him such a blow on the breast with his sword hilt, that he fell off, and the blood gushed out of his ears and nose. Then he leaped upon his horse, but in springing up he dropped the reins, and the horse rode off some distance before he could recover them. He would then have turned back to revenge himself, but he saw his lady shaking a handkerchief from a tower window, in token that he should depart, and so he rode into the forest. There were some who were of opinion that they should follow him, but others said it was in vain seeing that he had gotten into the wood, and they were all astonished at what they had done. The dwarf now recovering cried out, "'Carry me to the duke, and I will tell him on whom to take vengeance.' They took him in their arms, and he told the duke how he found the damsel in the forest, and wished to bring her back, and all that had followed. The duke then asked him if he knew the damsel, where she was. And all the damsels in the palace were called before him, and as soon as the dwarf beheld her, he said, This is she by whom your palace is dishonoured. Ah, traitor, quoth she, you were beating me in the forest, and that good knight defended me. But the duke was greatly incensed, and said he would force her to confess the truth, and he put her in prison. Yet neither evils nor torments made her discover anything, and there she remained in prison, to the great grief of Aldeva, who dearly loved her, and knew not by whom to send tidings to her friend Galior. End of chapter 13